welcome to The Key, Inside Higher Ed's news and analysis podcast. I'm Doug Letterman, editor and co-founder of Inside Higher Ed. And in this episode, we look at a crucial but underperforming element of the higher education ecosystem, the web of policies and programs that allow students to move from one college to another and bring their academic credits along with them, or not. We often call that the transfer system, but by just about any measure, it isn't a system. It's too diffused, too incoherent, and too ineffective to judge by the fact that barely one in seven community college students who sets out to earn a four-year degree earns one within six years, and the typical student who tries to change colleges loses 43% of her credits. The transfer problem has been a stubborn one to address, but at a time when the pandemic and the recession have further scrambled student pathways and almost certainly increased the proportion of learners who study at more than one college or university, it's of growing concern. That's especially true because the students whom higher education has historically served least well, those from low-income backgrounds, members of underrepresented minority groups, working learners, are far likelier than their peers to enter and get lost in the transfer maze. Equity in post-secondary education will be harder to achieve if transfer remains so broken. In today's episode, we'll talk about the work of the Tackling Transfer Advisory Board, a group of national experts convened to try to, quote, fix transfer. But its new report, out this week, concludes instead that this moment really demands a much broader, quote, reset rather than changes around the margin. Joining the key today to talk about the Tackling Transfer Board's report is Marty J. Alvarado, Executive Vice Chancellor for Educational Services at the California Community College's Chancellor's Office and a leader of the advisory board. In our discussion, she describes the limitations of the current transfer system and what it will take to modernize it and make it truly student-centered. Our current transfer system, as I mentioned, is super outdated. It's outdated, it's it's antiquated, it's built on assumptions that are no longer helpful, helpful for what our populations and what our economy needs. I think the idea of the reset is really about uh, interrogating these assumptions, um, leveraging policy and data um, and other levers to really fundamentally dismantle and restructure an effective transfer pathway that is both equitable as well as inclusive. Before we begin, here's a word from the sponsor of this week's episode, the ECMC Foundation. This episode of The Key is sponsored by the ECMC Foundation, which supports building a post-secondary education system that works for all learners through its grant-making focus areas of college success and career readiness. Now on to the conversation with Marty Alvarado. So, Marty, welcome to The Key. Thank you so much. Great to be here with you. Could you start by briefly outlining and defining the problem that that this group was uh, convened to address? I think you know at a at a high level, this group was really convened to try to understand what can be done uh, to tackle transfer. Right, recognizing that transfer has been a longstanding problem. I think they chose the name aptly, obviously, um, uh, but really trying to understand what could be done or what should be done around the issues of transfer. Um, I think, you know, when we when we dove into the topic of it, um, I think we sort of landed in uh, around three areas, really that um, access to 
uh, middle class, access to living wage jobs, um, uh, and self-sufficiency really centered around degree attainment. And so the transfer pathways for some of our most marginalized uh, and underrepresented students was critical or has been critical pathways from community colleges. Um, and so these changing workforce requirements or evolving scaffolding of workforce requirements was a major issue or is, is a major issue for um, the workforce and for um, you know, uh, access to self-sufficiency. I think the other problem that we noted is, is um, you know, what I would call learner agency and access, right? Um, individuals, uh, we're not talking about, well, we are talking about the right out of high school students, but even putting pause on them for a moment, right? The individuals, the older individuals who need degrees uh, and need their learning validated, they, are, uh, they have many more options, but not all of those options are equal. And so often we find students having to repeat um, and, uh, and having learning that they previously accumulated, uh, not counting towards the ultimate degree or credential. And so uh, it's, a, it's a, an issue for uh, you know, uh, their earning potential, but it's also an issue in terms of how much money and time and effort they are putting into uh, attaining degrees. And then you know, ultimately where we where we landed in terms of the problem is really that we have an outdated, a substantially outdated transfer infrastructure. And that's, uh, you know, one of our biggest challenges as we try to think about how we accommodate the students and the workforce, the changing economy. We often talk about transfer as if it is moving from one institution to another, often two year to four year. And a lot of the work on it seems to focus on that transaction when it's clear that there's a much more complex web of interactions in how students put together their educational paths. The report takes the point of view that, quote, fixing transfer as we typically think of it is inadequate to the moment. What about the existing transfer system is so flawed and how do you define a, quote, next level transfer system? I do think that is where the the board landed, right? Um, that that fixing transfer is really the wrong uh, the wrong way to approach this. I, I think we had to, um, and and each institution needs to wrestle with um, the the sort of getting to the point of accepting that our current transfer system, as I mentioned, is super outdated. It's outdated. It's an, it's antiquated. It's built on assumptions that are no longer helpful helpful for what our populations and what our economy needs. Um, and so, um, you know, structured to um, you know, uh, separate out those who are worthy for a higher uh, education degree versus those who um, need it to benefit. Um, and so I, I do think that the reset, you know, sort of recognizing that we can't just magically undo the transfer infrastructure, uh, that we have to bring people along. I think the idea of the reset is really about uh, interrogating these assumptions, um, leveraging policy and data um, and other levers to really fundamentally dismantle and restructure an effective transfer pathway that is both equitable as well as inclusive. I mentioned earlier the issue around student access and agency, right? And you talked about this web of students coming in and out and, and moving from institution to institution. Um, you know, I think if we assume that students are worthy of a higher ed degree, right? We point to military training and others where they are actively learning and engaging and accumulating knowledge and experiences, right? The, this issue around how do we facilitate access rather than how do we weed people out 
really needs to be the paradigm shift for a next level transfer infrastructure. Um, and so uh, facilitating access is really what we should be focused on, um, not those unspoken um, uh, elements that make students competitive, uh, you know, as opposed to ready. And we couch it under readiness language, right? Uh, students need to be better prepared. We're having these conversations in California with some of our four-year partners right now, right? Um, we just, we need the community colleges to do a better job of making sure students are prepared. And really that's, um, that's deflecting what the real issue is because there are unspoken expectations of candidates who are applying for transfer, students who are applying for transfer that make them competitive. But that's really, uh, you know, we have to interrogate the bias there because that is really at the discretion of the receiving institutions. Um, and so there's a lot of work uh, to, to resetting the transfer pathway that is very contingent on the four-year institutions. Um, and so I think the community colleges, again, at least from California's perspective, we are trying to push these conversations to ensure maximum access for our students. Just to make sure I'm understanding are you saying that there are a lot more students who are ready to do college level work, but are seen in some hierarchy as not strong enough? Is that a function of perceived constraints on how much room there is or some deficit on the student's part? Yes, yes, and yes, right? <laughs> um, there are several constraints, right? Again, the, the transfer uh, pathways and structures previously were designed to weed people out because of capacity constraints. And those capacity constraints don't go away just because we uh, become more aware of the issues, right? And so trying to understand what does that look like and how do we ensure that that's um, more equitable in terms of whatever that weeding out process looks like. But also um, the, the fundamental assumptions of higher education um, you know, dare I say the uh, elitism of higher education. Um, I say that with two degrees in philosophy. So I, I have had to wrestle with this myself. Um, you know, th this issue of uh, who's ready, right? And um, our students are very ready. It, it also becomes a question of what is the role of the receiving institution? Is it to take students who have already completed all the things that we don't want to teach them and or creating more and more, um, uh, you know, uh, hurdles for them to scaffold um, versus when we receive them, is it our job to facilitate their learning? And then this also gets to, um, you know, what we accept. Do we want, do, do we feel like it's only meaningful if they take it all here at our receiving institution? Or, you know, do we count all of the learning and experience and leverage that with what they get here? So some, some of the things that you're talking about under this idea of talking about transfer go well beyond it. They address some really underlying issues such as where do where and from which kinds of places do we recognize learning. What's striking to me a little bit is if we've struggled to fix transfer in the past, I is it not harder? Are you not aiming even higher in in this and to me it's it's an interesting question and choice of do we think that this aiming bigger and broader is somehow more attainable or is it just the right thing to do or what? I mean, I guess I'm curious as you were sitting around those tables, real or virtual uh, uh, and, and coming to this conclusion, you know, is, is this about what the moment demands or do you really think that there's a, an opportunity to aim this big? 
Oh, this is a great question. And I will say just, I'll start personally and then I'll speak to the board. Um, I think personally, I, I tend to test a room uh, when invited to join some of these conversations and sort of ask, uh, a probing, a, 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 a difficult question to see is this, is this gonna be more of the same? Our time, my time is very limited. Um, and so is this gonna be more of the same? And do I, you know, stay? Or is our folks willing to, to reach beyond? Right, and it's going to challenge us and it's going to push. I definitely don't think what we're talking about is easier. Right, uh, I think it's much easier to maintain status quo, create a new program that will add to the transfer chaos, advocate we need more counselors to help students navigate the transfer chaos, uh, and then call it a win. Right, um, but I think I was incredibly grateful uh, and humbled by the thought leaders uh, and courageous leadership that I saw around the table within this um, advisory board, uh, really willing to push on the, if we are going to come together and do something, it should be meaningful and it should be pointing towards where we all know we need to be going. I think the other thing that folks really, um, you know, I won't speak for them, I'll speak for myself. What I think I always recognize is that um, as, higher as public higher education institutions, um, our relevancy is contingent upon our ability to continue to adapt. And the assumption that we will continue to um, sustain what we've been doing and not face consequences for that uh, with the market share and with what students are looking for, um, our consumers are looking for is always a, a reality that is in the back of my mind. Um, and I think our system wrestled with our own relevancy as ed public education systems, as well as the moment in time around equity. That the majority of at-need students show up at our institutions, and if we aren't doing the right things and the hard things, then we're not serving them well. So if, if, we've, if you've aimed very high and, and uh, basically set a very challenging goal, how do you break it down and 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 what are the what are the things and again we have lots of audiences uh, in, in, in the people listening here people in government people but I'm, i guess i'm particularly interested at the institutional level because a lot of the things you're talking about are pretty systemic and require uh in, and you have a lot of policy recommendations but at the institutional level what are the things that you'd want institutions to be thinking about and doing now that are at least in service of the direction, the bigger directions you want to go, the, the group wants to go, um, rather than at least working against them. From uh, my perspective, perspective of uh, being on a campus, I think often um, the one-on-one -on -one relationships that campus leaders have across segments between the two-year and four-year institutions really provides, um, you know, opportunities to, to, to road test, right, some of these uh, innovations or some of these recommendations. And so I think where institutions in partnership can be looking at their data, uh, disaggregating their data, interrogating what about our structures work, aren't working? Who are they benefiting? Who are they not benefiting? Um, and then, you know, my, my soapbox these days are, if the answer is you have to find the special counselor who has the right information at the right time for the right institution you want to apply to, we've structured it wrong. We've structured it poorly. So how does each segment take a look at their role and get clearer on the things that they can begin to adjust um, 
and then keep a, a focus on the data to understand whether those adjustments are meaningful and for whom. I, I think, you know, just starting there, we're not going to get it right. Uh, you know, I always say, don't wait for our chancellor's office because it's going to take us some time, but they can start right now in where they already have strong partnerships. This episode of The Key is sponsored by the ECMC Foundation, which supports building a post-secondary education system that works for all learners through its grant-making focus areas of college success and career readiness. Speaking today with Marty Alvarado, Executive Vice Chancellor for Educational Services for the California Community College System. What are the things that make this moment the the promise, a, a promising time, or at least a potentially promising time to try to go big in this way? I think, um, I, I hate to say it this way, but I do think that what we've just come through the national pandemic and crisis and, and whatnot really highlighted, at least here in California, um, that we have a lot more control uh, around what we can change uh, and what we can do than we previously fully embraced, right? As other leaders or institutions or even as a system. And so when we center students and we center equity uh, and we center doing the right thing, we can build momentum uh, to actually make pretty significant changes, right? We converted 116 institutions to fully online or people would never have, people would have said that was never possible. At the local level, often they can do a lot of structural changes by, you know, by just making those shifts. Um, and then that helps to inform the proof of concepts needed for the larger structural state policy plays. And so those are the types of partnerships we need to see between the local level institutions and the system offices. Here in California, I would say, again, going back to this is the moment, we've built those relationships now or those expectations over the last 18 months as we really tried to respond as a state office to the structural limitations that campuses do encounter. And so um, I think there is a moment in time where we are um, interrogating what we do um, I think there's also a moment in time where people are tired. And so I think we want to do things that matter, not just do things to do things. The patchwork na nature of our country and the way it operates, uh, post-secondary education, uh, where different states have obviously very different approaches to certain things, can be a limitation when, when again, trying to move in a, a sort of a common direction nationally. How dependent is the vision that the board has laid out on getting alignment across uh, state governments? I guess I, that's one of the things I, I, again, struggle with when I think about sort of any kind of, essentially, whether it's federal or national policy shift like this, do you and how how much do you see this needing to be holistic, or can it happen in in spots and then let everybody else catch up? I think we're still at a proof of concept stage, but right? there is no if not this, then what? The the then what 
isn't currently fully formed. And so we're still in proof of concept stage. I think there is a sufficient coalition of the willing to try to test boundaries and push. Um, we're also seeing new leadership emerge in many institutions, particularly as we see more and more folks retiring and newer uh, individuals, particularly those who come from some of the underrepresented communities. Um, you know, I'm hopeful that there is more appetite to push on some of these uh, aspects, um, some of the, the the changes that we've uh, proposed in in the recommendations. Um, I think that I think that the coalition of the willing that is going to be out there prototyping and pushing on changes uh, is needed to help inform what should be happening at the federal level. I certainly wouldn't discourage federal action, but I, I do think that you know we, if not this, if not what we currently have, then what is still a question that needs to be answered. Mm -hmm. One of the premises of this is that we're sort of moving beyond transfer to some extent. And I'm I'm curious if transfer itself is a word or a concept that that is is it outdated or or is the idea of and, and what would we ever what would we replace it with if we were to come up with a different word? Right. Oh, this is such a great question. I would uh, you know, Marty Alvarado, private citizen, I would say <laughs> uh, 100%, I think transfer is an outdated word. It, it is part of that antiquated, outdated system, right? Um, I, I don't think that I would advocate for, um, you know, reframing it as lifelong learning, because I think that also has a lot of baggage to it. Um, but I think what we're really talking about is uh, ongoing learning. Right. Students are, are and, and the workforce requires that individuals are continually upskilling and reskilling. All of us do that as professionals. Uh, all of us have a need to do that. And when we think about high quality education and learning, strengthening uh, teaching and learning, we really have to focus on the experiential and the ability for students to uh, scaffold uh, theoretical conceptions with applied uh, critical thinking and, uh, you know, uh, uh, making it applicable to what they're doing right now. And so when what I think about, when I think, you know, perfect world down the road, it's really this type of infrastructure that enables students to come in and out of our educational systems. And we validate and uh, um, validate and um, transcribe, right, that learning and facilitate their ongoing scaffolding of understanding and knowledge. And fundamentally, we get back to the teaching and learning core of our institutions and really center it there. Um, and so I, I think that's what we're constantly trying to push towards because that's what our economy needs and our workforce and what our individuals need uh, well into the future. I'm trying to think about the bridge to that magical place you just described. Since we don't have the uh, then what answer yet, is the intermediate period doing a bunch of things that would take us in a positive direction while we figure out what's possible and what the ultimate new system might look like? I think we need folks thinking about this, uh, wrestling with it. I think we uh, too often just uh, take as truths what has been. Uh, and so th there is definitely a, um, you know, some some first steps that we can all begin to take that really push on our assumptions. Again, I'm going to pull on that philosophy uh, education of, you know, we've sort of been in the cave. And so the first step is getting out of the cave and seeing what could be possible as we then try to create whatever this new reality looks like moving forward. I would point to 
innovations or, you know, probably not innovative anymore, uh, competency-based education and, um, you know, online learning and different modalities of instruction that really try to walk alongside. I think we could even point to some, some older modalities of open entry, open exit and other aspects where it's really about meeting students where they are and facilitating that learning. And then how do we think about credentialing, transcribing and credentialing in ways that really bring things together. I, I think the last thing I'll just flag here, um, maybe it'll get me in trouble, but I think it needs to be said is, um, I think too often uh, we push on in education uh, what we sort of frame as standardization, right? Uh, and the uh, making everything cookie cutter. And I would never advocate for making everything cookie cutter, but I do think there's a, a, a middle space between free for all and standardization that really is about centering students. And we have to figure out where that sweet spot is and really push there. Um, and I think this centering students can mobilize all of us as educators and as administrators and policymakers to really think about how do we create a structure that's actually benefiting them, uh, not validating us. That was Marty Alvarado of the California Community College's Chancellor's Office. She and her colleagues on the Tackling Transfer Advisory Board have laid out an ambitious agenda for attacking a long-standing and persistent problem. They seem to be counting on the idea that the status quo has been upset enough by the pandemic and the recession that there's more opportunity than there normally is to bring about big changes. That's certainly possible, and they're far from alone in believing that. But I also see a good bit of evidence, as recently as this week in the annual survey of college and university business officers we published, that many people in and around higher education seem to believe that they're on track to returning to normal. That desire makes sense, and while there were lots of things about the old status quo that are worth wanting to return to, we should also recognize that the old ways worked a lot better for some of us than they did for others. The impediments we put in the way of transfer students are just one example of that. Let's acknowledge that before we rush back to the good old days and strive to make whatever's ahead work better and more equitably for everyone. That's all for this week's episode of The Key. Thanks to Marty Alvarado for her insights, to the ECMC Foundation for its sponsorship, and to all of you for listening. Come back in coming weeks for discussions about the altered state of career technical education and a new alternative to degrees for working learners. Until then, I'm Doug Letterman, host of The Key. Stay well and stay safe.